0: I love the fact that after 30 years of being a Christian, studying the Bible, hearing other preachers, reading books, taking classes, passing my ordination exams, and preaching for over a quarter of a century, I still discover things that I've never noticed before. That's what happened with this morning's scripture. I was all set to talk about tithing in general, biblical idea, because I knew uh, that that was the general topic of this text. And we will still talk about tithing, but Moses gives us a far more beautiful picture of how tithing and our understanding of wealth and giving in general fits into our understanding of God's grace and generosity to us. God has given human beings more than enough of everything for everyone to enjoy a full life. Our work is to recognize this truth, be grateful and share. Again, remember what is happening in general in this whole book of Deuteronomy. God's people had been enslaved in Egypt and God freed them from their bondage and led them through uh, the desert. They stand now at the brink of moving into the land that God had promised would be theirs. Moses, therefore, is giving the people understanding of God, how, how God wants them to live once they move into the land. In order that all will be well for all people, and they will maintain their relationship with God. In this specific section, Moses speaks to them about what is known as a tithe. Verse 22. Be sure to set aside a tenth of all that your hands or that your fields produce each year. Be sure to set aside a tenth of all that your fields produce each year. A tithe here is one-tenth of everything that the earth produced. We also know from other texts in the Hebrew scriptures that the tithe was to include livestock also. And we know from the next verse of our text that the tithe included finished products as well. Moses mentions wine and olive oil. In general, then, the tithe was one tenth of all that you had of any value. Moses says to the people, Be sure to set aside a tenth of all that your fields produce, your livestock, all that you are given. In Hebrew, the, the direction is emphatic. In Hebrew, when something is really important, the, the verb is repeated twice. So it's sort of awkwardly tithingly tithe. You will tithingly tithe your tithe. By the time of Jesus, tithing on everything was considered an obligatory practice. In our gospel passage, Jesus points out to the teachers of the law and the Pharisees that uh, he points out that they tithe even on their spices, on their dill and their cumin. And he says, that is something you should do. And in our passage, Moses tells the people that setting aside one-tenth of their wealth is something they should do. I knew about that part. The part that was new to me was what Moses then told them to do with it. Verse 23, beginning of that verse, Eat the tithe of your grain, new wine, and oil, and the firstborn of your herds and flocks. Be sure to set aside a tenth and eat it. He does go on to say in verse 27, this is important, And do not neglect the Levites living in your towns, for they have no allotment or inheritance of their own. The Levites were a whole tribe of the 12 tribes of God's people who were dedicated, the Levites dedicated to serving God's people, serving God and the people through worship and eventually through services in the temple of God when it was built. In order to free up the Levites for them to do their work, they were not allowed to have land of their own. And therefore, they had no means of provision for themselves, for wealth, other than what was provided for from the tithes of all of the rest of God's people. In the other two major descriptions of tithing in the Hebrew First Testament, this provision for the Levites is the main focus. The other two main sections are in uh, Leviticus 24 and uh, Numbers 18. In both of those sections, the main focus is on that one-tenth of everything from the other tribes is given to the priests in general, the Levites, and that one-tenth of that one-tenth is given specifically to the high priest. But here, Moses says that the people themselves get to eat it and enjoy it and share it. In fact, Moses goes on, verses 24 through 26. If the place that is eventually the site of the temple, where God chooses to put God's name, if that place is too far away and you've got so much from your fields, from your tithe, that you can't carry it all that way, exchange your tithe where you live for silver And take the silver with you. Go to the place that the Lord your God will choose. And then I love this. Use the silver to buy whatever you like. Cattle, sheep, wine, or get this, or other fermented drink, or anything you wish. Then you and your household shall eat there in the presence of the Lord your God and rejoice. I like what Daniel Block, Bach, Bach, excuse me, Daniel Block says about this. He writes, although this paragraph begins with an emphatic command annually to set aside one-tenth of all that the fields produce, the remainder reads like an invitation to a celebration. And it was. God wanted people to enjoy what the land had produced. The key to all of this is the setting for the celebration. At the beginning of this, when first we hear, eat the tithe of your new grain, I mean your grain, new wine and oil, firstborn of your herd and flocks, in the presence of the Lord your God, at the place God will choose as a dwelling for God's name. Verse 26, Use the silver to buy whatever you want, goes on with the list. Then you and your household shall eat there in the presence of the Lord your God and rejoice. In the presence of the Lord your God is the vital context for this celebration. God wants people to enjoy the gifts of the land, of the livestock, and also remember who is truly responsible for those gifts that who being god moses himself tells us this at the beginning be sure to set aside a tenth eat the tithe of your new grain in the presence of the lord your god at the place god will choose as a dwelling for god's name so that so that you may learn to revere the Lord your God, always. God is ultimately responsible for everything that anyone has. This is including today. Everything that anyone has. God is ultimately responsible. God created the whole cosmos. Anywhere that there is life or substance, God gives it and sustains it. The feasting celebration in God's presence that Moses proposes reminds the people of God's abundant provision. I like this quote from Walter Brueggemann. The tithe owed Yahweh is given over to the joy of Israel. Yahweh does not want the produce, but insists on the gesture that acknowledges Yahweh's generous sovereignty. The tithe has a teaching function. The annual excursion of giving and receiving is to instruct Israel and Israel's young about the peculiar character of Yahweh. Israel will revere Yahweh, that is, acknowledge God as the true owner of the land and giver of life who takes even Israel's grateful tithe and turns it back in yet another wave of generosity. God says, go ahead, eat, enjoy, rejoice, and share with those who don't have enough. I love that God says through Moses, you should enjoy the fruits of your labor and At the same time, God also says, Make sure that everyone has enough to enjoy. Not only is that an essential part of the annual tithe, like we heard in verse 27, do not neglect the Levites living in your town, for they have no allotment or inheritance of their own. Even more significantly, Every third year, the entire tithe is to be given to others. Verses 28 through 29. At the end of every three years, bring all the tithes of that year's produce and store it in your towns so that the Levites and the aliens, the resident foreigners in your land, and the orphans and widows who live in your towns may come and eat and be satisfied, and so that the Lord your God may bless you. The whole system is set up on God's generosity, providing enough for everyone, as long as we share. Walter Brueggemann characteristically summarizes Moses and connects our lives to this teaching. He writes... An economy that is rooted in the generous character of Yahweh is an economy in which there is more than enough. So that a Yahweh rooted economy gives the lie to all economic theory that is based in scarcity. The tithe dramatizes an economy of surplus The peculiar turn of the tithe in verse 29, in which it's shared with others, demonstrates the way that an offering to God is characteristically transposed into an offer to the neighbor. We might call this the beginning of real social legislation, distribution of wealth, redistribution of wealth. It represents, I threw that in, Brueggemann didn't write that, It represents, though, this is his writing, it represents the first known tax for a social program. With it, those who are landless and socially weak received a sure support which was guaranteed by the law and public oath to bring agricultural produce. The tithe is a transaction in generosity and gratitude. Love that. The tithe is a transaction in generosity and gratitude. I have long since come to the belief that there are enough resources in this world for every human being to enjoy a full life. But we must be willing to share wealth. We must be willing to be aware of those who don't have wealth for whatever reason and share what we have been given. We must remember that all wealth, all wealth comes from God and be thankful for what part of it we have been given while at the same time we reflect God's generosity to us by being generous with others. God does not provide this beautiful, this bountiful world for the benefit of a few, for 1%. God has provided more than enough of everything that all people might enjoy full life. Jesus gets furious with the teachers of the law and the Pharisees because they are not living generously. Again, that gospel passage, woe to you, I mean, this is, Pretty much Jesus' harshest language. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. You're hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, down to mint and dill and cumin. But you have neglected the far more important matters of the law. Justice, mercy, and love. Jesus commends them for at least doing the right thing by tithing. He says you should have done the latter, focused on the justice, and and not neglected the first. Jesus commends them for at least doing the right thing by tithing, but Jesus reminds them and us that tithing is not the goal. Justice, mercy, and love, those are what we are working toward. In Christian circles, there's long been a debate about what to teach about tithing and giving. As we've just been seeing, tithing was a significant teaching in the Hebrew First Testament. On the other hand, neither Jesus nor the other voices in the New Testament have much to say about tithing. Comes up a little bit here and there, but not much. But I do think that Jesus and all the other voices from the New Testament agree with the view Moses expresses God delights in providing good things to all people and wants us to enjoy what we have been given. At the same time, God wants all people to enjoy what God has given in the world. Our part is to recognize God's grace and generosity and make sure that all people get to enjoy God's grace and generosity. For Andrea and me, giving 10% of all that we have been given has always been our goal. There's nothing magic about that specific number, but it has caused us to always keep in mind our relationship with God and with other human beings and what role money and possessions, wealth, play in those relationships. In our early years of marriage, 10% at times felt scary At times it felt foolish. And so at times we didn't actually get to that point, to 10%. We had to pray a lot for wisdom in how to manage what we had. For years now, it's been very different. 10% has felt like the minimum that we should be sharing and it has helped us in understanding how fortunate we are and how much needs to be done in the world to set things right for all people, that desire for justice has also helped us decide where and to whom to give. A big portion of what we give goes to this congregation. But we also give to others who we, we are moved by their need or by their vision. God has given to human beings more than enough of everything for everyone to enjoy full life. Our work is to recognize this truth Be grateful and share. To close, I wanna read Paul's words again to followers of Christ about wealth and giving. In this passage, Paul is writing to the Corinthians, the Christians in Corinth, specifically about a relief fund that he was gathering for poor Christians in Jerusalem at that time. But Paul's words serve as a great guide for us, for now, on how God would have all followers of Christ live. Remember, a stingy planter gets a stingy crop. A lavish planter gets a lavish crop. I want each of you to take plenty of time to think it over and make up your own mind what you will give that will protect you against sob stories and arm twisting and internet fraud. God loves it when the giver delights in the giving. God can pour on the blessings in astonishing ways so that you're ready for anything and everything. More than just ready to do what needs to be done, the bare minimum. As one psalmist puts it, God throws caution to the winds Giving to the needy in reckless abandon. I love that. We, we worry so much about being good stewards, which is okay. But we also have a God that is just recklessly generous and calls us to be generous at least. God's right living, right giving way is never run out, never wear out. This most generous God who gives seed to the farmer that becomes bread for your meals is more than extravagant with you. God gives you something you can give away, which grows into full-formed lives, robust in God, wealthy in every way, so that you can be generous in every way, producing with us great praise to God. For God's goodness. Carrying out this social relief work involves far more than helping meet the bare needs of poor Christians. Again, that was the specific offering. It also produces abundant and bountiful thanksgivings to God. This relief offering is a prod to live at your best, your very best, showing your gratitude to God by being openly obedient to the plain meaning of the message of Christ, which is love God and love your neighbor. You show your gratitude through your generous offerings to your needy brothers and sisters, and really everyone. Meanwhile, moved by the extravagance of God in, their li- in your lives, they'll respond by praying for you in passionate intercession for whatever it is that we need. Thank God for this gift. God's gift. No language can praise it enough. Thanks be to God.